Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everyone and welcome back to another edition of the skating penguin network mailbag i am garrett behanna alongside me is my co-host fellow contributing writer over at pensburg.com it is robbie noggle and all the way from the other side of the country in the pnw it is snail we are here once again for part one of this week's two-part skating penguin network mailbag we have 10 questions today that we're going to answer this episode will go live on uh, uh, podcasting platforms on uh, Tuesday, October 3rd. And uh, part two will go live, I believe, Thursday of this week as well. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get into talking some of these questions here as we get into the the first week of October. And the Penguins regular season is right around the corner. Question number one comes from Brian. It'll go to Robbie and uh, it's a fun question, I think. Uh, one that I uh, exchanged with Brian on Twitter recently. Do any of you guys participate in fantasy hockey? This is Brian's first year, and he's in a league with some of his workmates. Brian says he's ready to kick some butt. Now, I don't, I'd always wanted to get back into fantasy hockey. I uh, was in a league, I think, one year in high school. But, Robbie, uh, has fantasy hockey ever been on your radar, much like fantasy football? I, I did play it one time. I don't anymore. I kind of stepped away from uh, the daily, kind of having to check daily and stuff like that. Um, I, the only – I still play fantasy football. I'm in three different leagues for football. But for hockey, I kind of stepped back. The only uh, – I still do a baseball league. It's been like a long term. We're going on like 10 or so years now that we um, keep up with. So that's about the only day-to-day stuff I do anymore fantasy-wise. But football is my main fantasy um, uh, 4A uh, anymore. And I'm in, like I said, three different leagues. But as for hockey, I was in the past and I didn't. I always enjoyed it. I, I really did enjoy it. But it becomes uh, one hard to kind of keep leagues together from year to year unless you're really dedicated. And um, yeah, when you get older, you kind of maybe grow out of it a little bit. So I don't uh, do uh, fantasy hockey anymore but uh still into fantasy football but uh, i definitely 
uh, understand the lure of fantasy hockey, especially if you're a, a diehard hockey fan. Um, and maybe that's another thing that can be hard. Uh, there's not as many diehard hockey fans as there are diehard football fans that uh, fantasy football is so huge uh, to begin with. But no, I when I did fantasy hockey, I always enjoyed it. But I mostly focus on fantasy football now, but uh, I'll turn that over to you guys, whether or not you participate or not. But uh, fantasy hockey, not my thing anymore, but uh, definitely understand the allure of it for diehard fans. Snail, that seems like fantasy hockey would be right up your alley. Yeah, I've always wanted to, but I never I never really have. I, it seems like something that you want to do with like, like I think Brian was saying he's doing it with his coworkers, right? And dude, like no one up here, like no one, I mean, not no one. There's a lot more people that probably are down to play fantasy hockey now, but uh, it's just, it just was never really that popular. I, doing it by yourself, it's not the same as with like coworkers or people that are interested in hockey. Yeah, exactly. Like you could go on Yahoo or ESPN and you can find thousands of leagues with a bunch of random people, but yeah, it's not the same. All right. Question number two, again, from Brian here, we're going over to snail for this one. Do you see uh redeem Zahorna or Sam Poulin making the opening night roster? Um, I don't see Sam Poulin making the roster opening night. I think that we, you know, I think we all know that he went into a player assistance last year, uh, dealing with mental health or health in general. Uh, we don't really, I don't think we really know what it was and it doesn't really matter. He missed some time and, He's kind of been one of the the Penguins only, uh, you know, prospects, I guess you would say, since Sprong. Um, uh, I, I guess he's been, you know, he's been getting a good amount of ice time in the preseason. I think he's been getting some good looks, but I don't think it's, a, I think he needs to go to Wilkes-Barre and, and dominate or, you know, do, I think he needs a little bit of a longer look down there and he needs to do really well. And I think he's going to get all the opportunities to prove himself down there and get a chance ultimately with the with the Penguins this year and Redim Zahorna, this guy intrigues me a lot since he had his, his debut, he scored on his first, uh, first shift, first shot. Uh, Radim, I don't know. It's hard to say because he's, he's a big guy. He's got a big frame. He's got hands. He's got to put it together though. I don't think he really, I don't think he's like a third or a fourth line type of like grinder defensive minded guy. I think he's kind of like a, I don't know. I think he's more of an offensive guy and there's just not a lot of job openings right now on the roster for that. Jake Gensel's looking like he's going to come back sooner than expected, um, which is a good sign, but that's one less roster spot for a guy like Radim. Funny enough, I think in this game in uh, in uh, Nova Scotia that they just played, he got a chance with uh, Gino on the wing. And I always wondered if this guy could put it together, could he be a, a winger option for Gino? I mean, a lot would have to go right for that to happen. Um, but yeah, I guess to answer your question, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't think he's going to crack it, crack the roster opening night, but, uh, he's definitely someone, I think much like Sam Poulin, if he can, if he can put something together down in Wilkes-Barre, the bottom six is in by no means set in stone. So I think he's definitely gonna, you know, if he can produce down in Wilkes-Barre, he's going to, he's going to get an opportunity back up with the club and, and a chance to prove himself and maybe earn some more ice time or a permanent permanent roster spot uh question number three from brian uh any plans for uh robbie or garrett to attend opening night against chicago brian will be there no way he is missing this it crossed my mind 
uh what is that i think it's a thursday next thursday if tuesday okay um uh, i crossed my mind odds are i'll probably i'll probably skip skip it i mean I, I yeah i'd love to be there the atmosphere would be fantastic so man i'll probably i'll probably go to a couple games this year i imagine because it's bedard's debut it's it's the first game chicago always draws a nice crowd uh, i know they travel relatively well i imagine those tickets are pretty pricey again i haven't looked at them in a long time so ticket prices could have fluctuated a bit but uh, I'll, I'll probably skip it probably catch it in the comfort of my my couch or my bedroom but robbie did, 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 did that something was that something that ever crossed your mind taking a taking a trek from johnstown to uh see it opening night unfortunately i will not be able to make it down uh for opening night uh this year um just with work and everything it's just too much with the drive and everything to get down there and um after work and stuff and getting through traffic uh, to get down to the stadium. So I'm um, definitely planning on making it down at some point. Won't be for opening night. Uh, I have to wait for Connor Bedard uh, to see him in person, but um, yeah, if he's everything he uh, that, that everybody thinks he is, then he's going to be a McDavid type player that you want to see in person. I've been lucky enough to see McDavid more than once uh, in Pittsburgh. So if, uh, if he is that kind of player, he's definitely a, um, a date I will circle in the future, but uh, not opening night. All right, Robbie, we're sticking with you. Going back to Brian here for question number four. And uh, this is a question, uh, the topic of the question has garnered a lot of uh, maybe controversy on Twitter from what I've seen. Robbie, what do you think of the Heritage Classic jerseys for both the Edmonton Oilers and Calgary Flames? So Calgary, top jerseys screw up. Uh, with them, with that color scheme and the flaming C, uh, overall I give them probably an A minus. Um, the circle logo doesn't do for me as much as uh, the flaming C by itself, but obviously they couldn't just they weren't just going to pump out the um, same uniform they normally wear for this game. But overall, I mean that color scheme really hard to screw up with that logo. So uh, they I give an A plus or an A like an A minus. Uh, Edmonton, maybe a D for that for that uniform. And it's mostly because the tan, brown, beige, burlap colored pants and gloves just clash so much with that blue and orange color scheme. It's not a good look. It's just I think the the beige pants would look better with the Calgary uniform, but it does not look good with the royal blue and the orange of their their normal colors and I again if they went kind of like Calgary just the same color scheme um all over the jersey it would be a fine uniform but that is just not doing it for me that color scheme to me clashes way too much to be um uh to be in my opinion good what I would qualify as a good uniform uh the tops are fine uh, it's when they get the mismatching colors that, and then compared to Calgary, who does not have the mismatching colors, it's just a very odd um, kind of design that they went with that for the Edmonton uh, set and not the Calgary set. So from them, they get a D just because it's too, it's too miss too much of a mismatch uh, in terms of uh, color contrast for, for my liking. So um, the Calgary definitely comes out ahead in the uniform battle. Uh, for the Heritage Classic this year, 
Um, uh, should be a fun game, though. I mean, two historic rivals, uh, McDavid, um, outside, uh, Dreisaitl outside, um, Huberto outside. Should be um, uh, should be a fun one to watch. But uh, from a uniform standpoint, uh, given Calgary the EZW uh, in this situation. Uh, question number five, uh, still Brian here. Uh, does seeing the way Jari has looked in the preseason – uh, ease your mind about him heading into the regular season. Um, what has me optimistic about Jari right now would be uh, the fact that he's healthy. I think the fact that he's healthy heading into the regular into the start of the regular season is is it's a good sign because we all know last year he was dealing with a chronic hip issue and it showed. Um, I think what, uh, what I'm kind of worried about more than anything is how the team plays in front of him. Um, I've been watching some of these preseason games and I'm not gonna, you know, overreact, but, uh, there's definitely some, some bad habits that I'm seeing from that is similar to the past few seasons. Uh, just have you guys ever noticed that how they if they score if the penguins score or they get a good chance it just goes right back the other direction and it's an immediate not just a a push but it's a quality chance yeah that's been a problem for going back i think to the beginning of the ron hextall era if not longer yeah it's like the countless times last season i'd see them take a lead in a game or tie the game and they'd get pushed right back onto their heels just jam, jammed into their defensive zone and giving up quality scoring chances that more often than not would lead to goals scored against them. Exactly. I I remember I started noticing it with the Islanders, against the Islanders in a... Um, God, I don't remember what year it was. It was the first year I think we played them in the playoffs, at, you know, in the last five years. And, uh, it, dude, that drives me crazy. I don't know what that is exactly. I don't know if that's a, a Sullivan system thing or if that's... Uh, if that's just a type of player, like a, it, I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I hope it's not a Sullivan, a symptom of Sullivan system, but it's been. Uh, th- I'm more worried about that. Jari, if Jari's healthy, he's proven he can be a, a a brick wall at times. He can be the number one starter. He can he can play a lot of games, and he 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 was an all star. I mean, he's a good goalie. He's got the makings of a good goalie, um, especially with him knowing that he's healthy now. It's like. He can only do so much, though. It's more the the play in front of him. I just am. If if Jari's a gas can, the first few games of the season, I'm I'm not going to overreact. You know, he's got the he's got the contract. There's not much we can do about it. He's got the confidence of the organization. He's our guy. So it's just how they play in front of him that's got me a little bit worried more than anything. Um, Brian asks here question six. Uh, what does Garrett think of the new Blink songs that have been released so far? One More Time is so damn good. Really liking that song. Yeah, I, I can't wait for this new album later this month. Uh, it it feels like a natural progression to what Blink should have been had they not gone on hiatus after their untitled album. Um, when they released Neighborhoods in, what was that, 2011? After they announced their first comeback, some of those songs on that album are pretty good, but it didn't, I know for some people on the internet, it, it didn't scratch all the right, it didn't, you know, all the right things that they wanted. 
Um, but this so far, they've released one more time, edging and uh, more than you know. And I think all of these songs are, like I said, a, na- a natural progression to what these three guys should be writing about 15, almost 20 years later compared to what they were doing with Untitled. So this is has me super excited. Um, one more time, I think, is a fantastic single. I think sometimes Blink is at their best when they're pouring emotion into whatever they're writing about. And having One More Time, you could argue Edging was the lead single for the album, but the fact that the album is called One More Time, you would probably be better to guess that the single, the song One More Time, would be their the lead single into the album. And I think it's a perfect encapsulation of the ups and downs that these three guys have been through over the last 20 to 25 years. And I think Tom said it best, all three of them now have experienced tragedy, which again, like I said, goes into some of the best Blink songs. So I am super stoked for this album. I know we're getting another new single on Thursday, the 5th. I think it's called Dance With Me. So I'll be looking forward to that. I'll be looking forward to the album later this month. I can't wait. I can't wait. I am just super stoked. Question number seven, as we go back to Robbie here from Brian, do you think one major key to the power play really firing on all cylinders is for Evgeny Malkin to shoot the puck more? I'll go one step further. And I think a major key to the power play is everyone shooting more. Um, There's definitely times where that is incredibly frustrating to see them try to make that perfect pass. And listen, not every shot has to be a high percentage shot. Get the puck on net, get a guy down low. You just, you never know when something's going to bounce off someone, especially when they're down a man, they tend to scramble more. Um, Everything gets a little more chaotic. And I mean, now you have, you're going to have a hundred point scorer in Eric Carlson on the, on the power play. You're going to have Evgeny Malkin, a former MVP, Sidney Crosby, a former MVP, Jake Gensel, uh, went healthy, uh, a 40 goal scorer, Ricard Raquel, a perennial 30 goal scorer. Uh, and then Crystal Tang, who I mean, is going to be, is the, the highest scoring defenseman in Penguins history. So you have all these guys just put the puck on net. Yeah, it's great when you can make the tic-tac-toe pass. It looks pretty. It makes the highlights. But if the puck goes in the net, nobody really cares how it gets there. I think Malkin's more of a shoot-first guy uh, than about anybody that's on that power play. So to me, he's not even the biggest issue when it comes to the perfect pass. That's more Crosby, who has always been a pass-first guy. But that shot we know is deadly. Sometimes you just got to let it rip, Sid. Uh, Letang, uh, if they do move him uh, kind of uh, uh, down to, I want to say, the half wall a little bit, give him that one-time opportunity. Uh, Carlson is not afraid to shoot the puck from about any angle. Um, let's just hope that the pass-happy traits don't rub off on him from his teammates. But you have a lot of playmakers out there, but you have a lot of guys that have scored a lot, a lot of goals in their career. Man, just get that puck on net. Make the goalie work for it. Make that defense uh, try to clear the puck, take them out of position, uh, and get the puck in the net. There's too much talent. There's no more excuses at this point. Um, uh, so you just got to go out there, uh, make your plays, take your shots, and get the puck in the net. I think it's the onus has to be on everybody to shoot more, uh, not just Evgeny Malkin um, by any means. It's got to be on Sid, 
uh, Jake, Raquel, Latang, and Carlson get that puck on net. Good things happen when it goes on net. I know that's cliche, but it's been proven time and time again that uh, pucks on net are the best way to get them in the net. So uh, the fancy passing looks good, but I'd rather have the goals by any means necessary. Robbie, not to cut you off here, I'd like to continue just continue this conversation just a little bit more mm-hmm. because I think it's important because so much talk has been about the power play this offseason with the addition of Carlson. I mean, all three of us have watched this team in depth for years at this point now, and articles have come out in different publications. The Athletic was the first one that come to my head. I think Josh Yowie brought it up. And I'm curious to get your thoughts and Snail too, if he wants to chip in. We, we always talk about the finesse passing, the tic-tac-toe, and how pretty it looks, like like you described there. How much of that do you think, when you look at the power play, how it's constructed, and the woes that have come with it over the last couple of seasons, do you, like, looking at these players that we have, we know that Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Carlson, Gensel, Raquel, even going back to Phil Kessel, all of these guys are premier point producers, goal scorers. How much of that finesse attitude do you think really carries over like when the Penguins are on the ice and have that man advantage? Because I agree with you. I think the onus is on the players and my mentality if I'm coaching the power play is to shoot more instead of trying to find the perfect pass. I guess what I'm trying to say is, do you think that these Penguins care more about how it looks rather than the results that they get do do, do you think that it's possible that they'd rather have the pretty pass lead to the goal being scored rather than just shooting the puck on net a bunch of times and seeing what happens because that's the feeling i get sometimes watching this team with the man advantage they strategically look for that pretty tic-tac-toe pass to try and get the goal and I've seen people complain about that time and time again on social media. So I just wanted to open up that discussion a little bit because it's definitely something that will be talked about if this power play struggles. Nothing drives me crazier than what last year when they were on the power play, they're trying to pass it into the back of the net. Bob Erie would be losing his fucking mind every single power play. He's like, they're trying to pass it into the net. I was right there with him. I could not, I can't stand when they do that. And I think that, some of it is a symptom of like there's a lot of like selflessness on this team like i think sid sid like you said is kind of like a historically was like a pass first guy i would love to see just him get like a little fire in his belly and just want to bury one we i think sometimes the power play lacks i think gino brings it sometimes um but you also i don't know last year i'd see gino trying to he does these cross seam passes and they get picked off that would drive me nuts too it's like gino just one time that thing even if it doesn't go in it's going to create some havoc in front of the net and someone needs to get in there and bang in some grease around right there right next to the crease sid's down low all the time he's super good at that banging in greasy goals uh i would i the power play needs someone who's just a dog who's just like tapping his stick he just wants the puck on his stick he wants to put it through the back of the net Kessel was sometimes that guy. Kessel was not afraid to just try to pick a corner and, and shoot and not try to find this pretty tic-tac-toe pass and get like something on the back door. Um, I would like to, I think Gino could be that guy. I'm curious where they're going to put him. If they're having two D-men on the power play, I it, it would make me nervous with Gino up there on the point on the right side. I mean, that 
that would make me very nervous if, if Gino's up there manning the point. That would be very, very bad if, if something, if a turnover happens because no one's catching him if, uh, if, uh, if a puck goes the other way. Exactly. That, when I'd see him up there, it'd make me nervous. So I don't know. Um, someone needs to be a dog and is just like, I need to see a little fire in the belly, like I said. And um, everyone on this team, like, you know, the top six, everyone can pass the puck above average above average skill level there but need to see a little bit more like dogged determination to put it through the net robbie is this team too talented sometimes for its own good it feels like it. i totally agree with uh with that statement um especially what was with what snell said there they definitely feel like at times where they they are trying to pass the puck uh into the back of the net and again it, you just need a trigger man and maybe Eric Carlson is that trigger man um, just to get the puck on net. Um, again, Malkin, there's time where Malkin has one of those kind of FU slap shots uh, that just blow past the good goalie. He has no hope. Uh, again, that slap shot's not the same as it was uh, 10 years ago, but he's basically the one guy on that power play that has the cannon uh, to let loose. Uh, Raquel has a nice shot, but he's more of a wrist shot guy. Uh, the tank can crank it, but nothing like Malkin does. And sometimes, yeah, I don't know if it's a we don't want to look selfish kind of thing. I don't think it's as much I want this to look pretty. Um, I, I, it just, uh, again, Crosby has developed as a pass-first guy, and when you've been doing that for 35 years, that is a very hard um, habit to break. And – yeah, he just you got to get trigger guys out there, and what should be pounded into their head is just shoot the damn puck. I mean, yeah, you you're gonna have you're gonna have power play goals that look beautiful, and they're great when they happen. It's just I, everything has to work perfectly for those kind of plays to, to unfold, and it's just so when you have the man advantage, you just need goals. And the Penguins struggled mightily in that in that facet last year. Um, so hopefully, with this much talent, they just uh, when you have a trigger man up top running the power play like Carlson, um, they just decide to shoot the puck rather than try to make the perfect pass every time. One thing I noticed with like really effective power plays is, dude, they get it done quick. The power play is two minute long, two minutes long, but you don't need to prolong. Like you don't need to take up that whole time. Watch Edmonton or even like Vegas or any you know above average power play. They get it done quick and they move on. And I'd like to see a little bit more. I don't want to say urgency because you don't want them to like rush the power play, but it's like, dude, with all that talent on the ice, let's like, you know, let's wrap it up here. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, question number eight. This is for snail specifically from Brian. Brian wants to know, does Seattle get four proper seasons? No, it's rain, rain, and more rain. Sometimes you get cloudiness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, we, I mean, I've always considered it four seasons, but I think maybe to somebody else who gets a, a true winner, maybe somebody like maybe like you guys or honestly, any anywhere east of the the Cascade Mountains here, um, you don't you don't get a lot of snow in Seattle. When it snows, it shuts the whole city down. There's no infrastructure for it. It's like a it's like a a post apocalyptic world when it snows quite a bit or it ices over. Um, so no, I would say no, we don't get four proper seasons. It's kind of like oppressive heat, 
muggy in the summer. Mm. Fall is beautiful. I, it's my favorite time of year, probably because of how it is here in Seattle. It's like a true fall. If it's a nice day, it's beautiful. When it's raining, it's still nice. It's nice and fresh outside. Um, winter is just rain. And then once a year, we usually get like a, maybe like a week or two where it'll it'll dump some snow or, or a, like sometimes it's a big one and it shuts everything down and we actually get to go out and like play in the snow and sometimes it's just slushy. And then I hate spring here. It's just like, it's bipolar weather. It'll be, it'll, you'll wake up and it's just like, it's 33 degrees outside, but blue skies. And then by the evening, it's jumped 10 degrees and it's just pouring rain. It's always windy. I, I hate it. I wouldn't mind a, a living in a place that had a proper, proper winter. Um, that's, there's actually less to do when it's pouring rain than when it snows, in my opinion. I don't know how you guys feel that, about that being in a place where you get snow i always when i was a like when i was a kid i always something always attracted me to seattle and the pacific northwest i always wanted to like move out there permanently and i i because i not just because of the winter because i know what you're saying you you seem like the kind of person who would fit right in here for a pittsburgh winter where it's just cold and the snow is unpredictable at times I, I like me and you should like reverse where we're living because I hate absolutely hate the winter. I'll take the rain. I, I'd ra I'd much rather prefer the rain than the snow. So that that that's that's how that's why part of the reason why I always wanted to move out west up there just because the traditional winters here I just I've always hated them. And you love Fraser. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> everybody should love Fraser. Oh, like when it rains for three weeks straight and it has you haven't really seen the sunlight at all. And like it's just swampy outside, like the, at least when it snows, it's like you could get like a like a bonfire going. Like I, if you I guess it's do you guys have like skiing and snowboarding out there? Do you have like mountains or uh, what's the big ski resort out here? Seven, Seven Springs? Springs. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's it. That's the big ski resort we have. OK, so here we have a quite a few resorts like we have two mountain ranges on left the left and the right of seattle so it's a uh, for people that are into recreation it's a great place to live but what's cool is like if it snows a lot you can just kind of like if you're into snowboarding like i was growing up and then i have a i don't snowboard anymore but i have a snow skate i don't know if you guys know what that is it's got like a carbon fiber ski on the bottom it's more like a skateboard for snow um, anyways, you can do that kind of stuff in like your backyard or you can like urban, you can like scour like the, uh, the neighborhoods for, for spots. And I don't know, there's just stuff to do. You can meet, walk around. Uh, it's, it's always fun in my, my old neighborhood, at least when it would snow, but out there it's like, um, or no here when it rains all year, it's like, dude, there's almost like less to do. I'd almost rather have snow all year. So anyways, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe we should trade spots, Garrett. I'd be down for that. <laughs> All right, let's move on here to question number nine from Brian. Um, who's one guy each of you think will have a sneaky good season? I'm going to hope it's Jari because of his importance, but I also think Smith does too. So I don't know what quantifies as a sneaky good season. Uh, I would I would like Riley Smith to 
produce equally, if not maybe a little bit better than Jason Zucker. But for the sake of this conversation, and we'll go around the table here, if you guys have one uh, a name in mind, how great would it be for Drew O'Connor to finally, we've, we've talked about him on the podcast in the past, how great would it be for him to finally put all the tools together because it looks like he's going to get that full-time opportunity to start the season. How great would it be if he could play a, a full schedule of games and maybe finish with 10 to 15 goals? I think his career high in goal scored is five. And I think it was last season he played in 40 something games. If, I mean, I know he's not really known for his offense. Maybe it's untapped potential, but if you can get that kind of production from your bottom six, 10 to 15 goals out of Drew O'Connor and maybe have that one season that we've all been saying, okay, the tools are there. This player looks like he can be a solid top nine, bottom six contributor. That that to me would be like an A++ kind of season to get from a bottom six contributor. I don't know if it'll happen. doesn't seem like Drew O'Connor has a penchant for offense, but hey, we can dream because not a single game has been played. Um, do either of you guys have a name in mind that you were thinking maybe could have a, a sneaky good season? I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to go to blue line here and say Pierre-Olivier Joseph. Oh, interesting. And I'm thinking um, a sneaky good season from him would be new career highs pretty much across the board um, and kind of takes that next step offensively, um, which would be absolutely fantastic to have uh, another guy on that blue line um, that can contribute, again, not to the levels of obviously Latang and Carlson, but a guy that's uh, going to contribute um, – more than he has in the past, which would be um, that would give them um, basically uh, kind of three identical defensive pairings. You'd have a good offensive threat on each one, and then you'd have your defensive guy on each one. So I think Pierre Olivier Joseph, I mean, um, is ready to take that step. He kind of showed some glimpses last year. Uh, he kind of tailed off toward the end of the season, but overall um, I really look for him to have uh, a career season this year. Again, nothing that's going to, make you think that he's going to be like the next Norris winner or anything, but um, definitely give them another uh, offensive threat on that, uh, on that blue line, which uh, would obviously go a long way. And I think if he gets, I think he's going to be your main defenseman on that second power play unit. Um, there's going to be a decent amount of talent around him as well uh, on that second unit that he should hopefully be able to uh, turn in um, some career highs there in the box score numbers Um and it would just be an absolutely huge boost um, for that blue line and for the Penguins as a whole. Um, sneaky good season. Um, I would like, uh, I don't know. How do you guys feel about Nylander? Do you guys think he's, do you guys think he could be top six or top nine guy for real? Or do you think that, I mean, he's bounced around a bit. He's never really proven himself yet. I think we're all a little bit, there's a little excitement ar around him. He he was decent last year, but I'm curious what what do you guys think about him? Uh, I mean, we're getting to the point now with Nylander that he hasn't really shown it consistently. Granted, his opportunities in the NHL when not with Buffalo have been few and far between. I don't know. I I think there are glimpses of an NHL caliber player, but I mean, for him to live up to the reputation of his brother, I think at this point that's never going to happen. Um, and that's a shame given his, where he was drafted. I think he was drafted 
uh, top 10 with Buffalo, if I remember correctly. So you, you got a guy who's not going to live up to that draft pedigree, which, you know, he can't do anything about that. He can't help where he was drafted. But if, if we can get, I don't know, 25, 30 points out of him in a bottom six role, I think that's a success. Um, I, I, again, I don't know if we're going to get that this season. It seems like Kyle Dubas has a, a liking of a specific kind of bottom six forward that prioritizes defense, maybe sacrifices on the offense a bit. And, you know, we'll, we'll see that how that works out in the first couple of weeks of the season. Your top six looks like it's offensive heavy. Your bottom six looks like it's focusing on defense and limiting goals scored. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I mean, I hope for the best. Maybe he surprises. Maybe it all clicks. I doubt it at this point, but I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, I hope Nylander struggles or I, I think it's time to write him off completely because I don't think it's time to write him off. The Penguins have, outside of their star core, they have a lot of guys who are just guys who either haven't proven themselves or they've been around a long time where they have developed a reputation for, like I said, that aforementioned defense. So is Nylander another guy, maybe alongside Drew O'Connor, who can chip in offensively in the bottom six? Maybe. We really don't know because we haven't seen it on a consistent basis. I I would like – I think Nylander, I would love it if he had a sneaky good season. Like you said, if you could get like – if you could get 30 points out of him and he can help out maybe on the second power play or something, I, I, I would consider that a win. Also, Brian Rust, last year he struggled. Um, I think uh, – I love Brian Russ's game. I think we've talked about him a little bit on here. He's kind of just like, he's like a good third liner. And now he's like a, you know, he fits in perfectly with uh, Sid and, and uh, Gensel up there on the top line. Last year, so he had a rough year. We He had his first child. That's going to disrupt the sleep schedule. I That's going to disrupt home life, which is very important for recovery. So you're throwing that off. And also, I don't know if you guys noticed, but... Brian Rust switched uh, sticks and gloves. He used to be, uh, I, I think he was CCM. And last year he was uh, rocking True. He had uh, the True Catalyst stick and True gloves. So a couple, couple big changes, one to home life and one to his on-ice game. And I, I give him the benefit of the doubt. I think we're going to see, I don't know if he goes back to using his old stick or not, I, or maybe he gets used to the True, but... Uh, I think we're going to, I think he's going to have a good, I think he's going to come bounce back and be kind of that. Uh, he almost had 30 goals that one year. I'd, I'd love to see him get one 30 goal season under his belt as a, as a penguin. This is why you're here because I would have never in a million years uh, taken that much notice of Brian Russ's different stick and glove type. So this is why we recruited, we recruited you for this very moment. So <laughs> Glad I could provide when it, when it counted. Alrighty, fellas, let's close out with question number 10. This has been a Brian, another Brian-centric mailbag, but part two will have a, a, a varied, a varied uh, take on the questions and question askers. Robbie, we'll close it out with some positive news on Jake Gensel. Brian says it's huge news that Jake is joining the team for practice when a non-contact jersey. I'm not sure if that has since changed to contact since this question was posed, but Either way you slice it, Brian says it's really good to see that he looks like Gensel is ahead of schedule on his recovery time. Yeah, I mean, any positive news with Jay Gensel is good for the long term. Uh, and 
basically short term. I think the last I heard, uh, Mike Sullivan still said probably five games. Uh, that third, fourth week of October, like at tail end of October, we should be able to see him back um, in game action. So, yeah, I mean, if he would progress to contact before uh, the first game next week, then um, that would be fantastic. But um, I'm, there's no point in rushing him. Uh, at all I mean at mo- five games at most yeah you don't want to rush anything it's surgery let them get healthy there's enough talent there to help uh to get them through those games and um yeah no point in uh, doing anything stupid with them uh, especially when he's made this much good progress uh since since the surgery and yeah fingers crossed that keeps going that way and uh we see him back on the ice uh sooner rather than later but everything we've seen uh, now back with the full team, even in a no contact jersey, uh, gets a big thumbs up and um, look forward to learning more here in the next couple weeks and hopefully seeing Jake back on the ice um, uh, just a few games into the season. Well, fellas, if you can believe it, we are just about a week away from the regular season yeah. getting back underway. The Penguins will see if they can start a new playoff streak, a new 17 or 18 year uh, playoff streak. But uh, I think, I think all three of us are filled with some, some level of optimism as we inch ever closer to the start of the NHL season next week against the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Thank you guys for, for submitting questions. Thank you for listening to part one of this week's skating penguin network mailbag. We will be back later in the week to deliver you part two with even more questions. Again, as I mentioned, as we get closer, finally, we've been waiting for weeks now. October is finally here. The days are getting shorter. The leaves are changing color, and it's time to drop the puck on the Pittsburgh Penguins 2023-24 season. For Snail, for Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Behan. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Skating Penguin Network, and we will be back with you again very soon.